the Which Was Better podcast, where we discuss and decide which was better, the book or the movie. This week, we are kicking off Christmas in July with a timeless Christmas. I'm your host, Lisa, and today I'm so excited to welcome Hannah from the fabulous podcast, One Kiss Meets Forever. Hannah, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I am so grateful that you reached out and said, Hey, if you ever do a timeless Christmas, let me know. I have thoughts because I have thoughts too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I have, I have a lot of thoughts, which I'm sure we'll get into. <laughs> yes. Um, but this is, I think this is the first one where I watched the movie and was like, there's a book. I must read the book. <laughs> Okay, so well, yeah, we're gonna get to that, but before we dig in, I want to ask you about your podcast, One Kiss Meets Forever. Tell me a little bit about it. How'd y'all start? Like, just you know, for all our listeners that maybe aren't familiar, let yeah, us. Yeah, um, so uh, it, it's a podcast that I do with uh, one of my best friends, Katie, and we discuss made-for-TV rom-coms. We're, I mean, it's a lot of Hallmark because that's kind of their thing. Uh, but we, we try to branch out and do, you know, Lifetime and Netflix and some of the other made for TV movie options out there. Um, and we discuss, you know, why they're both wonderful and terrible because the quality is let's just go with lacking. And it's part of why we love them, but there, there's definitely a, it's a love hate relationship that we have. And when we discovered that we each had it and it was kind of our like coping mechanism with the world, um, we decided to, to talk about it on, on the internet with with everyone else. <laughs> and we are very grateful because I want to say that I love the podcast. Um, I love you. the format. I love your honesty because <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, we, d- we don't love them all. It is, it is true. <laughs> Which is fine. You know, I always say like, you know, when you, when you love something, you point out its flaws and you hope that you help make it better. Exactly. We've been very happy. You know, it's it's slow going with Hallmark, but they're starting to put in some like non cis white people. And we're excited about that. Yes. (laughs) It's all about promoting that. (laughs) Yes. I am a huge champion for, you know, everybody having um, seen themselves in these movies. Oh, for sure. You know, mm-hmm. representation matters, and i i see I see the subtle changes, and I'm I'm hoping that it stays and grows. I'm hoping that it's not just, you know, well, this is fine. This the same yeah. No, we need we need uh, we yeah. need some more. But I'm more. I'm happy that we actually have some LGBTQ secondary characters this year. Right. That's like a big change. Yes, and I am. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I mean, of course, I want more, you know, I want more um, of these voices centered, you know, where we have them as the main sure. But, you know, we'll get, I, I, f- I feel confident that we'll get there. I feel like, yeah, um, you know, part of the reason why I hold on to this community is because I want to call out, you know, when there's not change. And I want to I want to help. Exactly. Be one of those, I want to help be one of those voices that it's like, hey, this is important. And yeah. I, you know, I 
completely agree. It's sort of like everybody watch the ones that <laughs> have the, you know, other people that are not always represented in them. So they know we want this. <laughs> yes. I'm always here to, you know, I, I'm, I'm here to support the channel as a whole because it is like you say, you know, it's, it's a nice, um, I don't want to say distraction because that makes it seem like it's, um, I don't know, like it's frivolous and it's not, it's, it's something that I very much enjoy and I don't yeah. have any shame in it. You know, it's not a quote unquote guilty pleasure. I, these are what I like to watch. Yeah. This is what I like to spend my, you know, TV dollars on, so to speak. And yeah. this and the Mandalorian. <laughs> uh, that, oh, that, that puppet. I, I can't, it's, it's so, really bad. <laughs> like how much I love that puppet. <laughs> Well, you know, that's, so that's where we're at. But, um, okay. So you mentioned that you saw the movie and then you realized it was a book. So your overall thoughts before you read the book, your overall thoughts on the movie. So my overall thoughts on the movie was I recognize the absurdity of it yes. because I mean, it's, it's a tra time travel romance that has a lot of big gaping holes. Yes. And I absolutely love it. Like right. it is, <laughs> it is just nuts. And, um, so this is the first year where I actually watched live every single Hallmark Christmas Good movie. You. Good for you. I mean, granted I had nothing else to do. <laughs> um, I actually watched every single one and well, I will say it is not the best one of the year in terms of quality and plot and writing. It was my favorite. Gotcha. <laughs> I, so like, I totally get what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I was just like, there's there's something about this that is just speaking to me. And like, this is this is exactly what I wanted homework to make for me yes thank you <laughs> yeah so you know I wanted to watch it and I tried to watch it live and I think the universe was trying to tell me something because when I first sat down to watch it live our power went out and oh, done and okay. so I was like okay and so then um I tried to watch it I you know DVR'd it mm -hmm. and um when the second time I tried to sit down and watch it, the internet went out. It was something ridiculous where I couldn't actually watch it. And I kept getting like five minute increments. And so I, I, first time I saw it, I saw the first like five minutes. And then the second time I tried to watch it, I saw the first like 15 minutes. And then I said, you know what? Never mind. And I read the book. <laughs> I was like, fine, I'll just read the book. You can't lose power on a book. So I read the book. And so I was very excited to see the movie. So for me, it was the book first and then the movie. I wanted to see how mm -hmm. they... I wanted to see how they're paired up and yeah. the movie I'm going to, uh, without digging to, cause this, this whole podcast, obviously we're mm -hmm. going, this whole episode, we're going to dig in, but I'm going to say, I wish they weren't represented as together because I think the movie on its own is one thing, but when you read the book and you're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. They're, <laughs> They're the same and different. I, I completely yeah. understand that. Yes. <laughs> so um, I, I feel bad because I, I, it makes it sound like I don't like the movie, but that's not true because I do. I just wish I, I want to separate the two. 
I understand that completely. Mm-hmm. So do you like in general time traveling romances, whether they're in books or movies? You know, I don't know that I, you know, encounter them too often. It's not something I search out for sure. Yeah. Um, eh, you know, I, I'm kind of, I don't want to say I dislike them or I like them. I'm, I'm more neutral if they're good. I suppose they're fine. I, you know, I do get very stuck on the logistics. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Like not even like putting aside things like time travel in itself. Right. Right. Like when you time travel, like what about, how how do you live in the new place? Do you have a social security number? Where do you you have a bank account? Like (laughs) how do you get a job because you need a social security number and considering that he is from what, 1890 something and, or no, 19, he left it, he disappeared in 1903. 1902 or 1903, depending on which one you're talking about. That's true. I'm like, why the year difference? (laughs) Um, Social security didn't actually exist until the mid 1930s 1935 is when they sounds about right yeah created it and i'm like so how do you how how does how does this work how how do you get a job and how do you get it because in order to get a a social security number you need to have what two forms of government proof like a birth certificate and also what did he change his name did he continue to be charles charles whitley, whitley? like i have like so it's about yeah, how the, the legit i'm i'm if i think too hard the logistics bother me to a point that like i can't get past really I know. the whole time whether it was the book or the movie i just i kept having to say stop thinking about this too yeah. much just you just, can't think about it just float away <laughs> in a nice cloud of romantic feelings mm-hmm. that they're just together mm-hmm. and don't worry about how he's going to fill out his W-2s. <laughs> like, right. don't worry about how he's going to pay tax. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so let me, let me back up. So if anybody hasn't read or seen the movie, let me back up and do some summaries here. So I'm going to talk about the book first since the book was the original. Um, the book was an original Hallmark publishing book that was written by Alexis Stanton, a.k.a. Eva Lee, a.k.a. Zoe Archer. She's got a bunch of pen names and a bunch of books. So uh, there's something for everybody in her in her entire um, book inventory. Uh, but it was released on October 23rd, uh, 2018. And here is the book summary. They are from two different centuries, but they are perfect for each other. Megan Turner is in love with the past. As a tour guide at a beautiful historic mansion, she tells visitors about its original owner, Charles Whitley. An inventor and businessman in the early 1900s, he rose from poverty to wealth only to disappear without a trace. (sighs) Charles was and then Charles was always intrigued by the future. He just never expected to go there. But when he repairs a mysterious clock he bought on his travels, he's transported to the 21st century with his home decorated for Christmas and overrun by strangers. Charles is determined to find a way back to his own era, especially when he learns about what happened after he left. But as Megan introduces him to the wonders of smartphones, pizza, and modern holiday traditions, (laughs) they both feel at once in a... They both feel a once in a lifetime connection. Could it be that somewhere in time they belong together? 
Oh my. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say that if somebody brought me the wonders of smartphones, pizzas, and Christmas, yeah, I wouldn't leave either. Cause mm, yeah, I mean, like pizza might just, it, it might just need to be pizza, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> We get a lot of detail in that book. The movie, however, here's the it premiered as part of Hallmark's Countdown to Christmas this past 2020, and it stars Aaron Cahill as Megan and Ryan Pavey as Charles. And the summary for this is Charles Whitley travels from 1903 to 2020, where he meets Megan Turner and experiences a 21st century Christmas. That's it. That's it. That's all we get. <laughs> yeah, the, Katie and I have talked about it, but uh, the synopsis on Hallmark Channel has gone from like a full on we're going to tell you everything about this movie start to finish to we'll give you a sentence yeah. it may be about what's in the movie but maybe not <laughs> well I feel like with this one it was a little bit of foreshadowing because they are so very different so they're like we're just going to strip mm -hmm. out all the details from the book because they're really not part of this movie so we'll no. just Throw this little sentence in here. But what did interest me about the, like, because they are sort of the same, but sort of not, like, it always bothers me when a book and a movie, like, it's a movie adaptation of a book where they make choices to change things that don't affect anything. Mm -hmm. Like, changing the year from 1902 to 1903. Why? Right. <laughs> I mean, I understand when you have, you know, a book, you cannot make the entire book into a movie. I get it. Sure. I get the reason why we have movie adaptations. I get that you have to consolidate characters sometimes that you, you know, for and for, you know, pacing of movies is very different than pacing of books. And so you have to like kind of meld together certain events. But sure. my biggest issue is when you actually change the theme of the book. And the theme of the movie, like for me, they were two totally different themes. And I was just, I, I'm going to go ahead and say up front, I did not like that. I, I Yeah, I, it was, I, I understand. There's a, they were very, it, like it was almost jarring yes. to put the two together. Yes. Um, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say the, the first, to me, the most glaring changes, and I want to get your thoughts on these. Mm -hmm. Um because like you said earlier, things that really didn't need to change. And I, I, I would love to talk to both the author and the screenwriter to find out why they made this choice. But I'm going to call it the case of the missing characters. So I get that this is a Ron Oliver film and he always has the character Kenny because he always has Nelson Wong in his movies as Kenny. Yeah. So I get it. So I get, yes. So I get <laughs> the change from, you know, the museum director from Philip to Kenny because that's funny but in doing so we, that means we lose Philip's sister Tina who runs the diner um, in the book we have Amber and Dan who are staff but they are not married they are their own separate people Amber is a, an aspiring actress and Dan is married to a woman named Lydia and they have a daughter Sophia who Sophia plays a part in the movie I mean in the book and yeah I, I did I missed Sophia in the movie I felt like she, that was a, a loss like I understood some of it but ugh, Sophia felt like a loss to me and then, of course, you know, there are also some other changes because I'm going to get to 
why I didn't like why this was such a big deal to me. Because, I again, I get consolidating characters, you know, but her her dad in the book is in a wheelchair. Why I know. Wasn't he I in love- a wheelchair in the movie. I don't know. <laughs> like, because I felt like they made this movie way less representative or representative than the book was. Because also, the other thing about uh, Philip and Tina is they're like Vietnamese, and that's right. Like her whole diner is Vietnamese food. It's basically right. a Vietnamese slash American restaurant. And I was like, that's so cool. Right. And <laughs> like I they think, have so. <laughs> oh God. Yes. Oh. Hmm. But I also think, isn't um Lydia Dan's wife in the book, isn't she a black woman? And she might be, I honestly don't remember. What. And I just thought, okay, that's great because, you know, I know in the community, there are people that have, you know, a white parent and a black parent and they like to see that representation with the children. And I'm like, so we took out Sophia. So we took out all this diversity that we could have had and representation, which I don't understand why. And for me, it's not even just the surface um, diversity. And I want to get your thoughts on this. In the book, the large theme for me for Charles was connecting with family, connecting, Mm -hmm. finding a place in the world where he felt like he had family again, because in the book, his parents die. And it's a huge part of why he's so closed off. And, and waking up in the 21st century with all these people, he finds a new family and he finds himself. And he, and so when we strip that away and it's just a couple of people that are working, I feel like that really changed a lot of the theme of the story. I I would completely agree with you because in the movie, he's just sort of like, I have Megan. Right. Megan is my person. Megan. And like in the book, he really does get like family and friend group with everyone who we meet, including like, you know, people who aren't really in the movie or like sort of are like, I, I felt like his, uh, th- another character that I felt was missing was uh, Ali. Like yes. he, they, they have a stand in kind of character in the movie, but he just like, waves. <laughs> yeah, he, he basically like says hello and like, is like, yeah, you know, Mr. Moran was a great person. Um, but like that whole like Charles finding his own friend like felt really important. Yes. And <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna read a passage from the book that I highlighted because I thought that it really exp- like it really expressed Charles's entire struggle throughout the you know, throughout the story, which is um you know, he's talking about the land in his house and he says, yet as he searched for a feeling of being grounded, of belonging, nothing came. So he's he's standing in his house. He's seen all of this grandeur. He's seen all this land, everything that he's bought that he owns, and he still feels empty. He says he was still the same rootless kid he'd been for been so long ago, struggling to find a place for himself, but coming up empty handed. And all of these people that he meets in the 21st century feel that for him. And that's yeah. why it's so hard for him to decide, like, am I going to go back or am I going to stay? Because I have family here now. And then he, you know, even with Megan's family, like he. Oh, they, just, yeah, they take him in. They're wonderful and warm with him in a way that like, I, I did think that 
they were good to him in the movie too, but it wasn't, it didn't uh, translate quite as well that like he was getting that emotional connection. It just felt to me like the movie was more about let's get these two together and not about each of them finding, you know, their purpose because in the book, they very much explore their individual purposes as well as bringing them together. I would say though, that the movie felt more like Megan's Mm. purpose story and the book was more Charles's. If there's like the uh, Megan's whole, like, do I want to be a professor or do I want to stay at the museum thing in the movie? felt way bigger than in the book where it was like, is she going to get the professorship? She really wants it. Like, that's it. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited because I'm so excited you brought this up because I was going to talk about book Megan versus movie Megan. I think this is a great segue into that. So because I really did not like Megan's story in the movie. <laughs> I'm so excited to discuss this because you bring up a very interesting point. I'm like, oh, that's true. Okay. So let's let's talk about book Megan versus movie Megan. So in the book, um, Megan is working at the museum, but this is not where she wants to be. She wants to be a professor. She's very much trying to get a university teaching job, but she's she has to she's built fills out the application, but she needs a recommendation and she's very hesitant to push for this recommendation because she feels like, oh, I don't want to be this pushy. I don't want to, uh, they owe it to me, but they're not giving it to me. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You get it. In the movie, Megan is actually a descendant of Rosie in the movie, which is Charles's housekeeper, which is weird. I don't, I don't know why, but okay. I don't yeah. know why they made that change. It was no reason, but um, <laughs> I guess is that way later we can find out because they talk about Rosie and that's how Charles finds out that Elizabeth married his rival because yeah. they have family photos of Rosie. Bizarre. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but, in, you know, in the movie, Megan is the m- museum director and she really doesn't want to teach. She's like, I don't want to follow my parents' footsteps. I love being here and I don't want to do it. And now I have to go against my parents and now I have to find my own way. The, it was almost like they wanted her to still be like uncomfortable about pushing back for mm-hmm. what she wants in both instances but she right. wanted the opposite thing <laughs> yeah I, which I thought was for me because in the book I thought Megan was trying to find her place in the world trying yeah. to learn how to be confident her journey was trying to find courage to stand up for herself and to go after what she wants and Charles helps her by saying I see elements of Rosie in you you are that person go get it go after right. what you want and you know and he helps her by believing in her and so when she finally makes that decision to contact that person for the recommendation letter it's like this big turning point for her and she's like okay I'm taking charge I'm going to do it and you know of course because it's a romance you know it all works out for her and that's very great you know but in the movie I felt like okay I get that she has this moment where she stands up to her parents wishes but it's all very like it's like 30 seconds where she says I don't want to be a teacher and they're like that's great yeah Right. They, they're very accepting of her uh, 180 on her career yeah. path. Um, also, the other thing is her career path in the book is like, OK, I get where what you want to be when you grow up. Whereas like it's like, do you want to just stay as the museum director forever? Is there 
advancement? Are you making right. enough money here? What's what is happening? <laughs> but again, don't think about details. It's right. <laughs> in the book, she's just an employee. She just works there. Yeah. But in the movie, they make her the director with Kenny as her assistant. So I felt like in the it, it also took away from because <laughs> in the book, Philip, the, the museum director's name is Philip. And, you know, I thought that was a I thought he was a funny character in the book. But yeah. But Kenny is very funny. I think Nelson Wong is very funny. Uh, yeah, I, I like Kenny. I I had no complaints. I, I'm all for <laughs> keeping things in the Kennyverse. I, yeah. I like I like the Kennyverse. <laughs> I just I I love everything that he does in in all of these movies. He just makes me laugh. So that yeah. was fine. So um, let's let's talk about Charles then. Book Charles okay. versus movie Charles, because there's a lot. Yeah. Okay. So in, in a very broad stroke kind of way, Book Charles is a geek to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it was a little bit hard to like remove Ryan Pavey from my head, but Book Charles is not Brian Pavey. Like, <laughs> Book Charles, like, I'm sorry. Brian Pavey is too slick and too handsome to be Book Charles Whitley. Like it, it no. So Charles. they didn't match up for you. Not at all. Gotcha. Like, like I'm not saying that Book Charles couldn't be attractive. He just like Ryan Pavey is not dorky enough to be Book Charles. <laughs> I, okay, so when I was younger <laughs> and I watched Superman. Now we're talking mm-hmm. about Christopher Christopher Reeve Superman. Sure. The OG. The you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically why I'm such a nerd hot person. Because I mean, hello, him in those glasses being Clark Kent, he's so nerdy and so geeky. But you know underneath he's freaking yeah. Superman. I, I think I think possibly if they addressed uh Ryan Pavey differently i wouldn't feel this strongly it, it, yeah. there is definitely a costume aspect to it yes um but they kept him it, it's almost like if, if you go with that analogy they kept him in superman the whole time right. yes and he really needed to be clark kent most of the time <laughs> yes i really loved book charles just because of that because he was just so for me i felt like he was um, in awe of everything in the book, just so curious about what is this? Oh, my gosh. What? And she and Megan in the book kept having to say, I'll explain it in a little bit. Let's do this. And yes, mm-hmm. we'll get to that just because he just kept asking all these questions. But in the movie, he seemed to me just overwhelmed and not necessarily as nerdy. See, I, in term, I understand what you're saying mm-hmm. to me in both of them. I was like, this man is not <laughs> upset enough right. about the fact that he has arrived in a time period where there are planes and cars and phones. Like, right. He, he is, he has taken this in stride way too readily. Like in the movie, <laughs> he, is, when- <laughs> he is just like, Oh, look, cool. That's cool. You know, like <laughs> what? I know I'd be so like you, you should be you, you should need to be in like institutionalized you should be losing your mind <laughs> like, yes 
Well, because in the movie, when he first sees the plane and he's like, oh, the flying machine. I'm like, you're not freaking out that there's a giant metal tube over your head. And then the cop comes and he just gets in the cop car. He's not like... What is so, this? What is totally, totally I don't fine. get in this thing? What he's just like, all right, let's go to the station and sort this out. I'm like, you're not no. at all curious about what it is that you're stepping into. This ain't a carriage, yo. Yeah. And and I, I felt that way in the book too, a little bit. Like he was a little bit more um maybe like flummoxed, but it was more of like, oh, but how does it work? And you know, I did appreciate that Megan was always like, I will let you know later. Um, yes. It's like, we don't know how anything works. Are you and kidding? Like, <laughs> sometimes she'd be it like, I don't does. know how it works. Just know that it's the internet. <laughs> right. So I will say the internet line in the movie was maybe one of my favorite lines yes. where she was talking about how it's like, you know, a, a road and like an in, intersection kind of stuff and she's like but we mostly use it to like yell at strangers and show each other pictures of cats and I was like (laughs) I love that that is your breakdown of the internet because not only is it sort of true but also like I'm just not gonna lie about what what we use it for it's kind of terrible in the best way ever (laughs) it can be used for good and evil and good Mm -hmm. meaning cat pictures yes Exactly. <laughs> so for me, one of the biggest differences is not about the character Charles. Well, I guess it maybe goes into his motivations, but the his whole backstory is completely different in the book and the movie. So in the book, we hear all the time about Harold Moran, his rival, and it is his motivation for returning. He hates this man. He knows up front that Harold, I mean, not right up front, but he figures out pretty quickly that it's the Whitley Moran Museum when he gets there. And he's like, wait, what? Why is his name on this? And then you find out very early on that Moran took over his business and you know he doesn't Mm -hmm. find out quite so fast about the marriage to Eliza because that comes a little bit later but it's 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 still earlier than in the movie and it's handled very very differently so what did you think about that change because I I thought it just affected again the entire theme of the movie I, I agree that it affected the entire theme of the movie it also it the whole idea that like we won't tell him because it will protect him yeah. aspect is, I mean, never works. No, has never worked. Is always a bad idea. Um, but what I f- found surprising about that whole thing is that in the book, I didn't feel that uh, Moran was ever really re- deemed it's like charles says he's awful so he's awful right and we that's he he sucks yeah and in the movie you get this whole like oh but he like helped the town and he did all these wonderful things and he and eliza were in love and um and so actually like you were rivals but he was not a bad guy and I don't know. I I like getting the I I think it falls more in the romance where you do get this redeeming quality to this rival character. Um, So I did like that, but it it is 
it reads completely differently. And his, and it, even though his motivation in theory is to go back to stop Moran both times, one, you're like, yeah, that's a reasonable explanation. And the other one, you're like, but why? Like, leave him alone. He's fine. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, in the book, he's, that's all he can talk about at times. And mm-hmm. he's, and you just want to shake him and be like, that's enough. It's, it's yeah. done. It's, it's happened. But in the book, you're right. They make, they make Harold Moran a lot more ruthless, you know, because he, in the book, there's parts where, um, Charles refers to how much Harold Moran, like kind of not really made fun of him, but, um, kind of made him feel bad for not being wealthy like by birth and like is always just always felt superior to Harold Moran yeah. always was like I'm superior to you and always tried to knock him down and there was just a lot more detail of why they were such intense rivals whereas in the movie it's like oh they didn't <laughs> he didn't win a clock at the beginning at an auction like <laughs> yeah yeah that intense <laughs> right so, right and like also in the book he like stole his patents and like yes. was doing like some shady shit. Yes. <laughs> and took a lot from him. And so I understand being angry. And again, I think that leads to the theme of, you know, Charles, because for me, Megan was stuck in the past and Charles wanted to just move towards the future, but mm-hmm. together, they come together and learn to live in the present together. And that's the whole point of their relationship. <laughs> and so <laughs> we don't get a lot of that, or I, I don't think it was as strong in this in the movie. I yeah. I think, I think that's true where it, it was just like, we just want them to love each other for, for right. reasons that we don't need to get into. Yeah. Because I thought that let's, Okay. This is a good way. This is a good time to talk about their chemistry together. Because in the book, of course, we can't go to every single scene that they have together in the book and put that in the movie. I understand that. But we just get a lot more of their one-on-one interactions in the book. So much of them just being together, her helping him, uh, you know, acclimate to the 21st century, you know, Mm -hmm. even when they have their first tour together, when they convince him to stay and play Charles Whitley yeah they immediately connect and they immediately just know how to play off of each other and you're like oh okay so they just they are together like you know they just automatically but in the movie it's so awkward his first tour (laughs) it's so awkward one one word answers to her questions and she's like it was so painful <laughs> so do you, uh, yeah do you think that there was the same dynamic because you know in the book they have this agreement where she'll help him figure out how to get back but he also has to learn how to celebrate christmas they have this like christmas agreement like let me show you christmas <laughs> which is not really expressed a lot in the in the movie but because you know there's no. no there's no hula hoop scene there's no mid movie kiss because in the yeah. book they kiss which was I, I I'm upset that there was no kiss in the middle because it was a perfect moment for a kiss but whatever it's fine um <laughs> uh you know I I think it's relatively forced in the movie that being said 
she does seem like the only person who can, he can talk to. Um, and what in the movie? In the movie, yeah. Right. So it's sort of like she's his only option romantically. So I know which should be together is upsetting because in the book she's she, she's not the only one that knows he's the real Charles Whitley. Everybody in the Everybody mansion knows. knows because they're all there when he <laughs> takes out this journal from the floorboard and they're like, uh, wait, what? And they're all like, right. oh my well, God. Also in the, in the book, it's Sophia who is like, yeah, that that's really Charles. Like, yes, no question. And like, and he's like, oh, yay, a friend. <laughs> right. She might be like 10 years old, but she's a friend. <laughs> she sees me for who I am. And it's a big moment when everybody else realizes because then he feels seen and he's like, okay, they know who I am. And so, yeah, he's very isolated in the movie because not only Megan knows the big secret in the movie, right. which right. again, leads to the whole, you know, building a family dynamic. But yeah, yeah. I, you're right. It's like, well, this was his only choice. So it's a good thing that. <laughs> yeah, that, that they're, they're, like, they're into uh, it. Yeah. I mean, it, it does make it like having a secret like that, that in theory he's keeping for the rest of his life. Right. Um, Sounds exhausting. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's, it is very like to, to not be able to even like have a beer with a friend to be like, yeah, when I was little and I was working in like the mill, like (laughs) you can't have that conversation. Yes, my first toy, which was a wooden dowel that I used to just spin around on the floor. And (laughs) there you go. Yeah, it's, it's, I think of like trying to keep like a surprise party a secret for like a couple of weeks. And that's exhausting. Yeah. Can you imagine the whole time? (laughs) And only she knows. Like, it's nice in the book because since everybody knows, they all like kind of surround him and protect him, like with certain things that, you know, come up because right. they all know he's he's from the past. But right. in the book, it's just her. And so. <sighs> right. The, the two of them, like, no wonder they're together because they're like bonded over the the lie that they have to tell the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> but OK, so in the in what did you think of the different. What did you think of their chemistry, book chemistry versus movie chemistry? So to me, book and movie couples are completely different. Right. Um, like. I I kind of believe them both and I was OK with both of them, but for very different reasons, because book Charles and Megan are like the dorky intellectual couple. And I love them. <laughs> yes. Um, who are like. You know, it's like they're they're excited. You, you know, they're the ones that are going to go on a date to a museum and it's going to be really cute. Yes. Whereas like Charles and Megan in the movie strike me more as like upscale restaurant date people. Right. I felt like book Charles and book Megan were the Leslie Nope and Ben Wyatt. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. They're just super cute together, but they're so nerdy together. They're, they're just so like nerdy together. Like, yeah, because also you you could totally see Charles coming up with cons of Dunshire. Like, yes. That would be to, it's like, yes. oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> she would celebrate it. Yay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um. So I want to borrow something from your podcast. I want to, since we're talking about chemistry and I want to talk about the kiss meter. Mm-hmm. 
because in the book we get two. In the book we get two. The first one is a little awkward because it is coerced because it is a uh, a mistletoe kiss. And of course, I don't understand because I have been under mistletoe before and I've never had groups of people being like, kiss, kiss, kiss. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's it's a trope. Um, But yeah, I don't know that I've ever encountered it in person, Um, but it, it happens all the time in these movies and, you know, where they they're like, I guess it's okay, And, and, you know, it's I I enjoyed it in the book because while it is coerced, which is not something I like, they both are like, do I use this as the excuse to kiss the person that I like? Can I please like, it's okay. I guess we can do this. You know, like it's, it's so like, Oh, it's an excuse to do this. Okay. Right. They're like, well, I will if you will. I mean, if you want to. And then the other yeah. person's like, well, I will if you if you want to. And then yeah. they both want oh, to. Right. And we get so much internal monologue from them both <laughs> during it. And it's the briefest of kisses. But it right. was to me, it was felt really intense. And then the whole time I was like, people are there. They're watching you. Yeah. You know, like there, there's an awkward ick factor in all of that. But also it was just sort of like these two people being like, oh, I'm really excited. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm really happy to be doing this. Yay. I got I got my Christmas wish. Right. Um, you know, the so I'm I was OK with it. I, you know, if I had to give it a rating, it would probably be in like the seven range, probably. For the like book, not, Mistletoe Kiss? For the book, Mistletoe Kiss. Um, the, the movie Kiss at the end was fine. You know, like it's not special. I like the fact that when they do first kiss in the movie, it's in the room, just the two of them. I do like their their alone. Yes. Yes. And it's, you know, the scene is very, you know, romantic. It's kind of, you know, they're, they're just coming off this big, like he's going to leave and she walks in and he's not there. And she's like, Oh, I thought he was going to say goodbye. But, and then he's like, what do you mean? And he's there. Right. I I mean, it's a little, it's a little manipulative of him. It's a little (laughs) corny to me because they added this whole dynamic of where he gives her the necklace that she saw in that. Yeah, the dumb scene. And I'm sorry, that necklace? Ugly. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say this, though. I have seen that necklace a hundred times at the Bryant Park Christmas shops that they like necklaces. And I have one because my sister and I are tourists when we go and we bought okay. matching ones. But I was just like, that's the necklace from the pop up shops in Bryant Park. Yeah, it, but <laughs> you, you get the impression that he bought it in like an antique store or something. Yeah. And, and no, that's not an antique. Like, it's very, very different from the gift he gives her in the book. <laughs> yeah. Which like I, I had a lot of trouble in the book visualizing it. I still don't know that I get it. I don't either. I just called it a light bright, a big <laughs> <Yeah>. light bright. <laughs> right. It's a he he makes her a thing. I know it's mechanical. I know it has lights associated with it. I know it's outside. <laughs> I know it's ginormous and it makes her cry. But I, yeah, you know, 
I don't I didn't understand how it was reflective of his love because the no. whole time they're setting this up like it's going to be this big meaningful gift to her to basically, you know, he's like this will show her how much I care about her and I'm like yeah. It's light. He does this thing, it's supposed to be amazing and mean something, but she gives him a gift in the book. Yes. And that gift feels so much more meaningful because she gives him a photo album of his time in the 21st century. And the way he responds to it, he's so sweet. <laughs> it's so freaking romantic and swoony that I was, it like made the whole thing. And I'm like, how can you leave after you get this? Stop worrying about Harold Moran and his dead body. Yeah. Just leave him alone. He already yeah. won. <laughs> right. Like, it's just very very sweet and very like you get the meaningfulness of that because obviously pictures you know that's a common thing to do is like a meaningful gift um but yeah it just if it was like i don't understand what he made her i didn't get it i tried to <laughs> even read it like twice and i was like i still don't get it it yeah. sounded really pretty though i bet if i saw it and i was hoping that in the movie it would be there yeah. so i could see there but they it's were probably not. the same thing they're like we don't get it either so we're just gonna yeah. make it a necklace because we don't understand <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah but she in the book really liked it she yeah, was very no, she, she, it, it it worked Yay. She got it. <laughs> it just didn't, it didn't translate very well in terms of a reader perspective, but it's fine. <laughs> right. So the book, when he decides to stay, everybody knows, since everybody in the museum working there knows the secret, they all have this like going away type moment. Yeah. And then, of course, the first time he tries it, nothing happens. And they're all just standing there waiting for him to like, poof, magic disappear. Yeah. And they're like, Ugh. and then they figure out, OK, it's got to be this certain time with the moon and, you know, all this stuff. And so they realize, OK, a couple of days from now, it's going to be perfect and we're going to do it. So when they go, when it's time, they're all gathered and they're all around him, supporting him, like saying goodbye. And it's this very emotional moment. And he finally says, you know, I I, I think I want to do this by myself. I, I don't think I can look at you guys while I'm doing this. And so they all leave and they're just like tensely waiting on the other side of the door. Yeah. Like the next time we walk in, he's going to be gone. And then they hear a big smash. They go in. He's broken the clock. It's like this big moment. It's a big moment. And it's incredibly abrupt like yeah. he was going to leave yeah a minute and a half ago yeah <laughs> like and then and now he's ruined his way to do it so like he's made this decision and is committed to it right. <laughs> whereas like the, uh, the i actually liked it better in the movie where he was like he he did you don't you don't know exactly when he made the decision Right. So it's in theory, he's been thinking about it for a while and he doesn't destroy the clock. He just breaks it in a way that in theory he could he could fix it. If he changes his mind. A little spring and I'm like, sir, you just gave yourself an out. I know this. I know this. But I'm like, committing. also like, also in a way that I was like, yeah, but that's, that is what somebody would do. <laughs> like that's a hundred percent what somebody would, like you wouldn't. You wouldn't smash the clock like that. You would be like, but just in case I need to. Right. Like, well, 
I also think it's because in the in the movie the clock was missing and it's in a museum so they can't really smash it so like sorry yeah. we broke the clock we can't give it back to you there's a lot of odd differences about the clock to me in between book and right. the movie like the whole the clock is engraved in the movie that nothing like I could not tell you why they fixated so much on the clock in the book, like how they came to the conclusion that the clock had something to do with the time travel. Whereas like it, the logic of the time travel in the movie made way more sense to me. Right. Yeah. Because I was like, nothing about the book time travel has like, you've, like regardless of how illogical the whole thing is you have not sold me on why this will work right (laughs) yeah i always have to take time travel with a grain of salt and just be like it just is like okay you're telling me this fine i have to just like magic santa we don't know why magic santa is magic he just will wink and then next thing you know you're waking up in an alternate universe and you just have to Okay. Right. You know, just yeah. Just but like I feel like the movie was like, okay, here are the rules for time travel that we've decided on. Right. And the rules we'll stick to. And the book didn't do that for me. Yeah, I get you. Um, the other thing, I, I mean, both of these have the same problem in terms of the time travel, um, because they keep talking about this double Christmas moon where you have a, a full moon on Christmas and and it's twice in one month. Um. Which you cannot have on Christmas. It's impossible. You can't have two full moons on December with one falling on Christmas. Mathematically, doesn't work. Uh-oh. Well. <laughs> so I am a former athletic trainer who had to take one college algebra class and then I moved into graphic design which can, needs no math so I'm, I'll take well, your word for it I'm like it's yes. It's really that a full moon is a 28 day cycle. You can't have oh, see. on the 26th just not possible. I never even put that <laughs> together and now I'm upset <laughs> at both of these Yeah no it's just like but, but no you, you can't do it <laughs> like it's well like you could have two full moons in december they just they just can't fall in the middle of december well maybe that's why he time travels because it's a rip in the space time i don't know i don't know my brain hurts (laughs) yeah but that's one of those things where it's like don't think about it don't think about it don't think about it it can't happen it's (laughs) like the social security card just don't think about it Mm -mm. Don't think how he makes money. Yeah. So, but it he, okay. So if you haven't seen it or read it, then obviously this is all one big spoiler alert, but he stays. Yay. <laughs> so, but in the book, we get a year later epilogue. We get a year later epilogue where they get engaged. Yes. What did is, you think of that? Because it's not in the movie. It's not in the movie. You know, I didn't need it. It turns out because like, of course, they're getting married. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what else is going to do? I actually found it a bit distracting because, first of all, I, I don't like engagements with a lot of people around. I find it yeah. very uncomfortable. Yes. Um, because y- you always want the possibility that the person can say no without embarrassment. 
Right. It's just my thing. Like, hopefully, you know for sure that they'll say yes. Or me, who I didn't realize it was happening. And I thought we'd encroached on someone else's engagement. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, we have to leave. And it was like... (laughs) I, I look down and there's a ring in the in this, you know, there's a box and I'm like, oh, okay, we have to go because we just found someone's engagement ring. And my husband, my boyfriend at the time, my now husband was like, seriously, I'm on no way. Oh, oh, that's what's happening. And we were in public and I'm like, I get it now. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Right. But yeah. like, I, you know, I, I feel like you also in a lot of these movies where like, they clearly get engaged to the wrong person where it's like, they wanted to say, no, you just put yeah. it in a public place and it was like really uncomfortable. Yes. Um, so I, I don't like that. It's with a lot of people, even though of course she was going to say, yes, of course it's happy and like a party, right? Whatever. Um, I got so stuck <laughs> on what he is doing as a job. As a job. <laughs> He is recreating old things for like movie sets, movie sets and like living museums. <laughs> yeah, I read that. Epi- I read that part probably three times because I, st- I could not wrap my brain. I was like, wait a minute. So he's a consultant. I get the initial thing. You know how I've been consulting on these movies as a history person. And I'm like, first of all, how do you tell somebody that you are a history like, like, you know, all these things. Like, how do you become a consultant when, A, you don't have a degree from anywhere? You can't really prove that you're from it because that's still a secret. I I just was like, how do you get that job? Because in order to be a consultant, you have to prove that you know what you're talking about. So does he just wow them with a bunch of not like I don't get it. And then he's like, but remember that website I've been working on where I'm I I, I don't get it. I no, I, I could not for the life of me like make it into a job that was gonna make him any money. In she my was head. very excited for him though. She's like, oh, oh my she god, was, it's happening. Really excited for him. <laughs> um I, and and I can't believe I have to go with his thought to make Smart, uh, like faster smartphones is better. Like, right. <laughs> like that, because in the movie, that's what he, he's like, maybe I can make that thing go faster or whatever. And it's like, that seems like a very ambitious work on battery life. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, but yeah. also like, that's where you're starting. You went from like mill patents to like, maybe I can work in smartphone. What? Like, <laughs> Because in the book, she gets him a phone when they go out to buy some supplies. And it cracks me up because when when she finally in the book, when he's like, okay, I'll stay, like, we'll put you up in the mansion while you figure out what's happening. And she's like, well, we need to get you some essentials. And I'm thinking they're going to Walgreens or like Dwayne Reed for like toothpaste and stuff. She takes him to a cell phone store and she buys him a flip phone. She, she gets bu- a she buys, bug. <laughs> she buys him so much stuff in the movie. Cause I also thought like the, in the book, she's like, okay, you need 21st century clothes. I have a brother. He has all this stuff he never wears. Here we go. Logical, completely yes. logical. Yes. In the movie, they go to like a high end, like clothing store. Whereas yes. like even, if you did not have that brother, 
you go to Goodwill. Like, what are you doing? Right. And <laughs> the worst part about that entire scene in the movie is we did not get a fashion show montage. No, we did. We had a pretty woman whole thing and yeah. a sweetest thing. You know, when they're trying on out, we could have had that whole yeah. thing. I'm like, give me the sweaters. You know, that's what we want. You know, mm-hmm. that's what we're after. Show me all the colors, all yeah. the styles. Th- all this the could be a, a really, really dumb poll. But this year, the, the 2020 Christmas uh, Hallmark collection, uh, they had a sweater that showed up in like three or four different movies. Mm. And it mm-hmm. did not show up in this movie. And I was upset about it. <laughs> it was like a, a off-white cable yes. sweater that <laughs> I was like, come on, you could put it across the the universe of these Hallmark movies. You had 17 of them, clearly. <laughs> like, like, what are you, you doing? Ryan Pavey right there who was made for these sweaters. Like, just give me a selection. Now, granted, he looked very nice and everything we had, but I'm like, Absolutely. you could have given me a quick montage because in the book, she does. He comes out in regular clothes and she's like, oh my gosh. Now, yeah, she, she, she has a little, a little moment for herself. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, give me that with Ryan Pavey. Yeah. Doing that. Yeah. Yes, I, I agree. I, I missed having like it, it was there. You could have taken out some of the other things. Uh, you know, I did not need that weird like let's put the ornament thing on top of the tree outside. Bizarre. W- why? Yeah. <laughs> why was that a thing? Why? It was Give a, me a it director's a- cut because <laughs> that's what I'm like. Maybe they filmed it and they cut it, but that's more important than the. Yeah. Thing. yeah that it was a weird moment that I was kind of like I don't need that I don't know what this is doing here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm glad we agree on the at least on the epilogue part now going back to that because mm-hmm. yeah I yeah I, I I was like maybe it's just me but I'm glad that you and I both no, together I, you know the thing is you're making the assumption that these people are together forever. Right. In all of these. Like that's yes. that is the that's that's what we've decided going in. That that right. they're gonna end up together forever. So I don't need you to tell me unless you're gonna tell me something interesting, right. not something utterly confusing. Right. I need I need footnotes of what that job is. Yeah. Right. And how you make money doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, it it does, you know, it's weird because it's, uh, you know, in the books of things, usually things make a little bit more sense. In Hallmark World, that would be a completely logical job because money is not a thing that they ever right. have to actually worry about. So you can have a job that is like the most niche thing you've ever heard of. And like they're making, yeah. you can survive with a business where you exactly. make wreaths. Yes. Right. And you're going to make enough money to live comfortably all year round and not worry about money and have designer clothes. It'll be fine. Yes. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's, you know, I I think that's one of those things where in a movie, I might've bought it more than in a, right. In the book. Like you're doing what now? Okay. (laughs) You know, it was very much like, Oh, so, so Megan is still paying for everything. Okay. Right. Got it. Because you (laughs) have no identity. And I'm not sure what people would do if they fingerprinted you for stuff and being like, wait a minute, what's right. happening here? <laughs> so now 
I think we, I mean, honestly, I think we covered it all, except I do have one question. Mm-hmm. I have two questions. Okay. Left. And one of them is, what was one thing from the book that you wish was in the movie and or what was one thing in the movie you wish was in the book? And it could be more than one. Yeah. You can- um, so I would have really liked the movie to have the photo album gift mm. part. I think that would have done something. The other thing that I really felt like, I, I don't know if you could have put it in this movie the way they designed it. But I felt the scene where Megan and Charles go over to Amber's house to help her film her her audition tape was an adorable scene. And, you know, the logic of her whole, like, I live in, I think, upstate New York, and I'm going to send an audition tape into Broadway as somebody who has worked on Broadway before. (laughs) Not a thing. Not how that works. Um, But you know, pretend I like, I thought the scene itself was really cute of them, like figuring out how to work together and him actually discovering pizza and like, it was very, very sweet. Yeah. And I felt like that it was a good scene. It, it it made me happy. And I, I kind of wish that had been in the movie and the, the early kiss should have been in the movie. I can't believe that they took that out. That was that yes. was dumb. <laughs> right. Because I th- I think I agree that with with the scene with Amber, when the three of them are together and they are filming that, you know, it, they it's a catalyst for both of them to examine, you know, their own motivations of how they're doing, you know, their choices. You know, Megan's like, I'm telling Amber to go after it, to go after what she wants. And yet here I am not going after it, you know. Right. And it's after that night that she sends off that email or whatever to her person she needs the recommendation from who unsurprisingly was like oh shit I forgot I'm so sorry <laughs> like, like there's nothing malicious it is just like I'm a busy person I forgot <laughs> I know but I just I felt so bad for Megan because as a person who's a, like an actual like introvert in real life with tremendous social anxiety I will leave a store before asking somebody where to find something or if it's in stock I will leave and so the fact that she has to reach out to somebody and ask for something she's already asked for (gasps) yeah no I I understood the anxiety completely so there is a part of me that's like but you do want to get up in front of a classroom of people and talk to them for hours I know it's so bizarre because I was in education and I did teach and I would get up there and if I have something that I can just talk about yeah. or, you know, it's fine. It's the small yeah. interactions where I'm like, <gasps> absolutely not. Yeah. No I mean, it's, it is one of those things where I'm kind of surprised nobody in her life was like, they probably just forgot. Like you could, you could right. ask them real nicely. Yeah, <laughs> like, there and just pop in and be like, Hey, yeah. Just, just reminding my existence, no rush. Like, Hey. And like, they know it's a rush, but it's sort of like a social contract. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll tell you it's not important. Man, I just, I felt so bad because I was just like, I had, you know, anxiety stomach just reading those scenes. Cause I'm like, oh girl, I know what you're doing. You're sitting in front of that mm-hmm. laptop, just like hovering, like, <gasps> I don't want to yeah. type, but I have to type. But this also there, there is the, like, the email is the easiest version of doing that. Like, right. Yes. <laughs> it's like, you're not calling them. You're not seeing them in person. It's like. You can pretend that you didn't do it. 
for right. you a hit pretty long time. And then you, you, you hit send and then you tuck the laptop in the couch cushions and run away and then just don't check it for like two hours and just yep. kind of forget that you did it. <laughs> Not speaking from experience very much. Yes, speaking from Exactly. Like you just, just don't, it's it's almost anonymous. Not quite, right. but almost. Yes. <laughs> So, for, so I want to say that I agree with you because I think that the gift from Megan was a huge miss in the movie. I in the kiss, obviously. Uh, for me, the one thing that I wish that was in the movie that was in the book, and this is probably something very ridiculous, but in the book, Megan invites Charles over to her family's Christmas party, and he has some hesitation because he's like, "I don't want to. I don't." I don't know. I don't want to get close to these people because I'm not going to be here very long and I don't want to be around family, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, he ends up going and he gets inundated with everybody. Everybody that they know is in this, is at the party and they walk in and they're supposed to wear these funny hats, which that wasn't in the movie. That wasn't was in the movie. Yeah. Tradition. Everybody wears these funny hats, which I thought was very cute because he like just goes with it. But there's a scene where Charles is talking to um, Megan's brother. And her brother brings up the ex-boyfriend, Brandon, but Charles doesn't know he's an ex. And he just says, oh, he's, you know, you're better than Brandon. I don't remember what he says, but Charles in his internal monologue is like, of course, she's being courted because she's great. And, you know. Right. And he has his little jealous moment. He has has his little (laughs) moment. And then the brother says, you know, well you know, he's not in the picture anymore. And he says it because he sees in Charles's face, like that he's upset by it. It's like, oh, but he's not in the picture anymore. Like knowingly, like slyly, like, right. and Charles like, yeah. you know, it's just this moment <laughs> that he's like, okay, good. Cause I was feeling a little mad there. I was feeling a little jealous. <laughs> and I just think that would have been a really cute scene that wouldn't yeah. have been very long, you know, just to, you know, add more so that his attraction to her is growing and he's not sure what to do with it yet. And I just, because in the movie, he just, he flat out asked her, like, are you being courted? And she's yeah. like, no. Yeah. Um, actually, it just occurred to me, the one scene in the movie that I feel like didn't make it into the book in the, in the same way um, was when they go to the Christmas tree lighting. Mm. Um, and this was one of those like little stupid, I looked it up and then I was impressed moments in the movie where he doesn't know the words to, we wish you a a Merry Christmas. Oh yeah. And he wouldn't because that song was not written in 1903. It was written later. Um, And like, that was just a cute little, like, I'm a time traveler and I don't know things. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. I didn't even think about that. That was a cute scene. And I I did like that. She was like, everybody knows this song. He's like, no, I don't. And she should know that he doesn't know that because she should know that that song did not exist yet. But as a historian. Yes. Because she knows a lot of other stuff. She knows a lot of other stuff. She also like researched him specifically. So she knows a shit ton about his time period. So, yeah. She should know that. I'm I'm sorry. I'm still on it. And I know I need to just get over, but she should know that social security cards didn't exist back then. So he's just, okay. He's, right. yeah. Um, yeah. It, you, we cannot 
continue to think about like I, I have notes about his like the birth certificate, the social security number of like, but but how does he have a life? And yeah, it, like, I, just, I cannot I can't I can't I can't. To all the listeners, I'm sorry, I'll stop. I'll stop. No more social security talk. Um so the final question is for you, which was better? Which one did you like better? Okay. I feel like I, I we've spent the past what hour or so talking about how the movie is inferior to the book. Mm -hmm. And while I agree with everything we've said, I like the movie more. And I, I cannot tell you why other than there's just something about it that is just like, yes, this, this is what I wanted. This is, you gave it to me exactly. Like it's, it's just the one that I, gravitate to right or whatever you know there's it, it's almost illogical how much I like this movie because I shouldn't and I, <laughs> I recognize the problems with it and yet I'm still like but I would rewatch it like right now if you wanted me to <laughs> yeah I get you it's a definite Christmas rewatch you know when mm -hmm. the season comes around again to have it and be like, oh, yes, I can watch. I mean, obviously you can watch it anytime you want to, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's interesting because I think it also comes down to which one you were exposed to first, because a lot of times I feel like that is. I think that is part of it for sure. Yeah. So for me, it probably should be no surprise by now that I preferred the book. I just, I really like all of the internal monologue that we get in the mm -hmm. book all the extra all the the extended if you want to call them extended scenes of um Megan and um Charles together really establishing why they like each other why they're growing to love each other you know so yeah yeah I can recognize that the the book is technically better it's just sort of a weird thing where because partially because I saw the movie first, probably. And also just the little changes that endeared the movie to me. I also I think I found the movie a little bit funnier. Yes, it was. And that also endeared it to me. Like there, there are a few lines, the, the this line we talked about with the, the cats and and yelling at people on the internet. Um, <laughs> yes. The other line that I really, really loved is when he goes to pretend or not pretend. He, he genuinely is going to try to pay for dinner, even though he has no money. Um, <laughs> and, he and, and he shouts that it's high rate robbery and it's $23 for the both of them. <laughs> yes. That was hilarious. <laughs> and I was like, yay. Like, <laughs> that's kind of wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yes, I can see that because Ryan Pavey does do, you know, stoic really well. Mm -hmm. And that character yeah. needed that because he needed to come in, you know, from being, you know, this very workaholic, you know, man from the past. And I thought it worked really well. And plus, you know, it's Ryan Pavey and Aaron Gale yeah. and they're gorgeous together. Yeah. And they they really they look like they had a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, for sure. In the movie and just making the movie and so that came across really well I liked their chemistry yeah I just you know for me I just I'm such a sucker for internal monologues mm -hmm. and knowing mm -hmm. people's secret thoughts <laughs> 
That's fair. That's very yeah. fair. <laughs> I just, I love it. Cause I think this is the first, um, well, it's one of the first times that um, there's been a one movie, one book person. Yeah. Yay. Oh. That's exciting. Happy to be that, that, <laughs> yay, that person. <laughs> That's exciting. I feel like, you, but you know, it's something where it's like, depending on what you want out of the yeah. story will also depend on with which you liked more, I think. Right. Not to say that I, cause I do, I think the movie is very charming. And I think yeah. that if I had watched it without ever reading the book, I would, it honestly would be a favorite because I, there's something about it that just draws you in, even yeah. with all the ridiculousness and all the, you have to put away. Yeah. It, it is. So much. I, I think part of what I like about it is because you have to put away your brain yeah. basically for the story in both instances i in, i would rather do that for a movie than a book yeah i gotcha i gotcha okay well we did it <laughs> we did we it. talked about christmas in july <laughs> i love it i'm so excited i'm like yes because I, I thought when i first started planning for this podcast last fall i was i thought okay there's all these movies and so many of them are christmas and i was like when when would i start doing it Christmas in July. There's Christmas in July and then Christmas starts in October. (laughs) That's basically it. Well, I would love to have you back. So if you have any other books that you... I will be happy to read more books. (laughs) Yes, because this, I just, I love this. This is one of my, this is why I've always been one of my favorite things to talk about whenever books, you know, books Mm -hmm. are made into movies and even movies that are, have novelizations. I love it. So anytime you want to come back, you're more than welcome. Thank you. I'm, I will, I will be happy to do that. (laughs) So for people that are interested to follow you online, where can they do that? Uh, So I am at one kiss means forever on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And we spell it out with numbers. So it's the number one ever or one kiss means the number four ever. Um, So, you know, it's not completely all spelled out. Um, And then we have uh, the podcast, which we do spell out um, and that's available on all podcast platforms that you can go get and, you know, take a listen to a a chat that Katie and I have every other week on whatever movie we feel like doing. <laughs> yeah, y'all listen, if y'all aren't listening to their podcast, y'all need to get on it because it's a delight. They real it's not just Hallmark movies. So if you're not interested in the Hallmark world, they do reach out. They do, you know, Lifetime, they do Netflix, they do other movies. And yeah. It's- and, and we take requests, you know, if somebody was like, we really want you to cover this movie, we would be happy to. Uh- and it's super fun. <laughs> they have these really fun segments where they break stuff down and they're honest and I love it. So if you haven't listened, give them a chance and follow them on all the social medias. I will have links to their stuff in the show notes. And as for me, you can follow me at Lisa Fay CO, Lisa Fayco on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow the pod at Which Was Better on both Twitter and Instagram. Or you can go to whichwasbetter.com and check out the website. So thank you so much, Anna, thank for being you. here. I appreciate it. Was it was so much fun. <laughs> it was. So, all right. We will see you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye.